If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Hello, today I'd like to introduce Jenny Haynes who has been a Grand Prix competitor in dressage and she's also competed at a high level in show jumping. She's represented Australia a few times internationally in recent George Samsung competitions a couple of times and also at the Horse of the Year in New Zealand. I think Jenny's got a claim to fame that she trained a $300 racehorse off the track to Grand Prix, which is quite a feat in itself. So Jenny, how are you today? Wonderful, thanks Glenna. <laughs> That's good. Jenny, I, I know that you've competed, you've done quite a lot in show jumping and dressage at a higher level, but I'm really interested in your work that you're doing with the Riding for the Disabled and also your work as an equine learning facilitator. So I'd like to talk about that today as well. But can we start off with your favourite inspirational quote, which is, have an attitude of gratitude every day. Can you tell me how you got to have that quote and how it affects you in your life within your running of Ranchlands Equestrian Centre? Well, it's actually biblical, an attitude of gratitude every day. And if you can, if I can get up in the morning and stand up, I'm already feel grateful that I can do that. Yep. In a way, everything else is a bonus. So if you just got the right attitude and be thankful, it just makes everything different. You can find something good in everything. So whatever happens, you'll find something out of it. So I think it's just served me well. Mm, mm, mm. How does it go then with your staff, with your students, with the people that you come in contact with every day? Is that something that you find is helpful to them? Yes, absolutely. I think the staff, we've, um, you know, I have six other people working here, you know, part-time and casually. We never have a crossword. There's never any reason to have a crossword. So it's just that atmosphere. And I think the people that come really enjoy the friendliness, the openness, the atmosphere. So it, it does seem to rub off. Mm, mm. And I know because I've been there a number of occasions and I, I know it has got a lovely attitude. Yeah, a lovely atmosphere. Yeah. Jenny, when did you first start? Tell us about your earliest memories with horses. Well, I, I seem to have an obsession with them from a young age. You know, my first memory is touching a horse on the nose and I couldn't believe this velvet nose on this great big animal. <laughs> and I used to run down to this girl's place and, you know, stand there and hope she'd said to me, would you like a ride today, Jenny? And that's sort of where it started. And mm -hmm. my mother was quite against it. She wanted to turn me into a lady and wanted me to go to ballet lessons. And the same weekend that she enrolled me in ballet, the next day my dad bought me a horse at eight. <laughs> so I think there was nearly a divorce over that from what I could gather. And the, the funniest thing was though, I couldn't ride at all and the horse was four years old and just broken in. <laughs> and I fell off every day for three weeks mm. and I used to run home and hopefully get home before the horse so mum wouldn't see. So she could say, see, Fred, I told you. <laughs> Look, that girl's going to kill herself. So um, that's sort of how it started and it's never stopped. All right. What about the horse? Did you keep riding it? Did, did you keep going? Well, Not a great combination, a young rider no. and a young horse. But, but it was all all I had, so I was determined to try and stay on him. So my, I told my, you know, my father knew, so that he, I said, he's bucking me off, he 
run me under trees. He'd take me across roads, down cliffs. It was a terrible thing. Well, <laughs> terrible, as I say. I couldn't, didn't know what I was doing either. So Dad used to come out in the paddock and stand there with the big stick. And while he stood there with the big stick, not that he ever used it, but the horse was perfect. Then he'd hide <laughs> behind a tree and then he'd buck me off again and take me under the tree. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I learnt, you know. I learned resilience from a very early age, I think. In a less than ideal uh, way to start, you've done well. (laughs) Absolutely. I tell everyone, never do that. It's the worst thing you can do and that's how I started. Yep, yep. All right, Jenny, to have a career in horses, which is what you've got now, how did that start? How old were you then? What made those decisions? Can you tell me that story? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to work out, I was riding show jumpers at the time and was travelling the shows from Mackay to Cairns. And, you know, how could I keep doing that and, you know. How old were you work then? With horses? Well, probably from about 14, okay. 15. So still at school, yep. Yeah, still at school. So I was even yes. thinking then of ways of doing stuff. So anyway, I got a job at an answer at work and I was always dreaming about ways of working with horses. And my dad said to me, why don't you start at a riding school? And I remember saying, a riding school? I don't want to do that. But anyway, <laughs> I did. And it started with the one horse and, and one pupil. Mm-hmm. And it grew, and I used to just say, now I'm going away for three months now. I'll give you a ring when I come back. And that worked for a while till it got too big and I couldn't quite do it as much. Mm, mm. And that was a day in the riding schools before there was, you know, it was 40 years ago, so there wasn't too many of them around. And, and all my friends said, oh, come on, no one's going to go to a riding school. You just get on and ride, you know. <laughs> so it's a bit before it's time in a way up, up this area. Mm, mm. So the riding school's grown. You've, you know, you had to travel a fair bit to compete you know, you were travelling quite a bit for your show jumping, but I know that as a dressage, well, even, I mean, you've competed internationally, but you used to compete fairly regularly and travel some long distances. Oh, yeah. How was that? I mean, there, there must have been pros and cons, probably, I, yeah. I don't know about the pros, but tell me about <laughs> the sacrifices that you had to make there. Well, yeah, it was difficult because you're living in Townsville, you know, it's 2,000 kilometres from Brisbane, and I could drive the truck till about an hour out of Townsville and I'd want to go to sleep, so my husband had to always come. Mm. And we had many trips where we'd come to Brisbane and he'd fly home because someone needed to be looking after the horses here for about four days and fly back and pick me up. So the expense was huge, Mm. the commitment on having support that would help me do this. So for three years when we're trying to get onto the Samsung Cup, for three years I think we did six Brisbane trips each year for three years and then there was a, a Melbourne one and a couple of Sydney trips so it was quite difficult, but it can be done with being single-minded and not do anything else, I suppose. Yep, yep. And the trip to Brisbane, the 2,000 kilometres, that would have been your shortest trip. How how long did that oh, take? Yeah. Just two days. We found that it was better to um, we go to Rockhampton the first night and just get there the next day. The sooner you got there, the better. Yep. So the poor old horse, really, every time he got on the truck, he didn't know whether he was going to the local competition <laughs> or to Melbourne. So we parked the truck there two days before and he'd already start pacing, knowing that he's getting on that truck and going somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't easy. So the horse, to get him to perform the same, you know, was much more difficult with the trip under his belt and all the rest of it. And then the trip to Melbourne, how long would that take? Yeah. I think that was four days. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. four days. It's a long way. It's a lot of commitment, isn't it, to, um, mm. to go and think, right, well, four days down and then someone's got to fly back yeah. and then fly back and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the work you're doing now with Riding for Disabled, tell me, you're actually not, you're working with a special school, aren't you? Well, the Riding for the Disabled, I started up about 13 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just runs every Thursday morning with a great group of volunteers and, and some of the clients that come have been coming for 13 years. 
So that's just been that's an on, on, ongoing yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. Now, the special school is that we've done a few courses, well, a course with uh, equine-assisted learning. That's a, a different altogether. There's no writing involved with that sort of work. Tell me about the result that you're getting from there. With the writing for the disabled? Well, or, or I, the I think if you give me a case study, you know, and just go, well, you know, here's some students and this is the results, this is what they were and, and go from there. Well, I think just a, probably a case study with writing for the disabled is one guy that come along when we first started, he was blind and intellectually disabled. And I thought, what am I going to do? He can't hear or see and I was mm. quite worried. And the um, actual carer said, oh, don't worry, he, he's done it before and he just loves it. So and he comes up from air, so he travels 50, you know, 60 kilometres to get here for a 20-minute ride, basically. Mm, mm. Anyway, he gets on and he, he can smell. He does have smell. So as soon as he gets here, he actually tries and puts his boots and his hat on because he can smell it. <laughs> and then he comes down and he gets on and he make, he just makes a noise and he rocks a bit from back to forth, which worried the horse a bit in the beginning, but it got mm, used to it. Mm. And um, I said to the couple of the – we were walking beside him and I said to the two sidewalkers, have a look at his face. And we looked up, and the look on his face was sheer or pure joy, just pure joy, the rhythm and the rocking of this horse. Mm, so the three mm, of us all had amazing. a tear in our eye because it was just quite special. So that's all, all, all we needed to do. We didn't need to do anything else. So, so, yeah. so, so that was that. The equine-assisted learning is, is what I've been doing in the last couple of years, and it's absolutely wonderful because to be able to find passion again at this stage and reinvent yourself, I suppose, in a way, yeah. of, of a new path and, and seeing horses in a different light that I haven't seen before. I'm absolutely fascinated. And the results are just speak for themselves. The horses are the co-facilitators. So what they seem to show people, you, you just couldn't do. Um, a particular story just recently, we had some army people here and one of the things that the two of the army guys had said was that they were sort of lacking trust. So anyway, they were with their horses the first day and all was good and we did different little experiments and things. The second day, they were with the same horses they had the day before. And then I said, well, now let's just move up a horse. Everybody change horses. And that would put a new dynamics and a new energy mm, level. So mm. we'll see what happens. So within three minutes, I'd have to say, these two particular guys moved to the next horse and both the horses, they were on a lead and a halter in the arena, just lay down and went to sleep. Just lie down and just <laughs> completely flat out, just went to sleep. And I thought, oh, he must have a colic. I'm, you know, I was about to shake him and get him up. Anyway, they went down on their knees with these horses and were looking at them. And we were sort of dumbfounded to start to think, I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. And one of the fellas was actually wiping some sneaky tears away from his eyes under his sunglasses. And we just said, well, what, what do you think that means? And the, the guy that was wiping the tears said, well, I guess he must trust us. Mm. And I said, well, yeah, that's that's com they're completely vulnerable. And on the last day of the four-day course, when they went to um, leave, we said, what would you take away, you know, from here? And the, that guy said, um, well, I think I might give trust a bit of a go. So, Isn't so, that you know, good? That, that's yeah, sensational. Um, yeah, we didn't have to do anything. The horses did the work. Amazing, you know. just That's one of many really heartwarming stories that this work sort of does to help people. Yeah, yeah. Jenny, you told me a little while ago about some work you were doing with the special school and you didn't think that you were giving them what was required, but then you were talking to one of the teachers. Yeah, there were six kids and their average age was about 17, probably mental age about 12, and it was their last year of school. So they're doing some, oh, 
worth experience type of things or just lifestyle stores, I think they call mm. it. So mm. anyway, they came out. We did an hour and a half program. It's over a four weeks, an hour and a half program. And the first level was awareness. Anyway, um, we and they connected with the horses and they did a little bit of work with them, which surprised me because the teacher said they may not even go near them. Anyway, I said to the teachers, they said, oh, that was great. I said, well, what, what do you mean? What, I didn't sort of, nothing particular come up. And they said, well, firstly, they swear like terrible. They swear to the teachers every name under the sun, you know. That, mm, that mm. Stand. They never swore once, so that was a plus. <laughs> he said, the two boys absolutely hate each other and fight like cats and dogs and they'll have punch-ups and all sorts. Mm. Didn't happen once. And on the way home in the bus, they're usually hanging out the windows you know, yelling and each other and doing all sorts of things. It was dead quiet. One person fell asleep and the rest talked quietly between each other. So it was a marvellous, they said. Mm. So mm. That, that was day one. So that, you know, that was great. Yes, there's some very positive results there. And, mm. and while they may not be Olympic riders, there's still positive results and they're getting that amazing opportunity for them, which is an amazing opportunity, mm. Um, mm. just to get those incredible results. Yep. Yeah, well, well, they're learning about themselves. That's what the equine-assisted mm. learning is all about. You learn, it's, it's about you. It's yes. not really about the horses. Yes. The horses are just helping in the Facilitators. process. Facilitators, yep. Yeah, yeah. And the, just somehow the horses can see straight through you and know your authentic self and somehow they just seem to want to help and show them in ways to help. Mm-hmm. Jenny, thinking back from when you were show jumping, so – You'd been jumping and you went through a stage where you thought, how am I going to make this into a career before you opened your riding school? You teach a lot of high school students now and you speak to their parents. What do you think are the core skills that they would need to commence in a career? I think passion would have to be the start. You've got to have that passion Mm -hmm. for horses and probably to like people, you know, to combine the two. You want to be able to pass on your knowledge to them in a way that they can learn and improve. A bit of old-fashioned hard work, you know. In this sort of work, you've got to keep, can't be told everything. You're told what to do, then you've got to look for things to do, to notice things, particularly with horses and problems and whatever. Resilience I always like, just to stick it out and learn as much as you can and, and listen and watch and I think the teenagers these days have got so many other temptations, it's, it's hard for them to do that. But, you know, basic old-fashioned skills in a way. And, and focusing on what they want. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Now, there's lots of people who do work with horses, but not very many that take ex-race horses, ride them to, take them to Grand Prix, um, represent their country internationally. What do you think the keys are to excelling in your career? What did you have that made you drive four days to Melbourne to go to a competition? Yeah. <laughs> and not just, you know, but regularly. I mean, regularly making the trips, the, the four-day round trip to Brisbane, regularly. I think the absolute single-mindedness. I always knew what I wanted to do and it never wavered. So right from a kid at school, I just wanted to ride horses. And I loved competing. I loved competition. I love really getting an adrenaline rush. The bigger the competition, the better. It, the, the excitement and the adrenaline rush, I guess, is what keeps it going. But um, just was like a real drive. I just want to make it a bit better and a bit better and a bit better every time. Mm-hmm. So I was quite pleased when I'd lose at times. I couldn't wait to get on the next day. <laughs> what have I got to do now? What, how can I, you know, how can I get whatever, you know, mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it better? 
and it was just so exciting. It was just excitement, you know. It was a high most of the time in between the work, you know. Yeah, just, yep. just being there and doing it. Yeah. All right. Now, we're talking about a lesson that you had with Vince Corby and you said you had your first ever lesson from Vince when you were 14. You loved the way you approached everything to do with the horse to understand him and to make a connection. How did you meet Vince? Did he come up to you? Did you go down to him? Because, you you know, you lived a couple of thousand miles away from each other. Yeah. No, well, he came to Mackay and there was a course in Mackay every, mm-hmm. I think, every December or something. And they came from all around. That's how far people travelled. So we went down there. for It was like a two- or three-day course. I think Mrs Nunn was there as well. She was doing the show jumping and Vince doing the flat work. Mm. But that was the first ever lesson with anybody other mm-hmm. than Pony Club. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He was my first as well, you know, in a very similar oh, situation. Okay. Yeah. And I was talking to um, Simon Cale yesterday and he said, oh, yeah, I used to work for Vince. You know, like a lot of people I talk to have been influenced by Vince and oh. then his partner, Terry Cowan, I've interviewed him. He's at episode number 13, you know, if you do want to listen to it. Oh. But very similar, <laughs> okay. just in the mindset and making a connection and, yeah, very, very, very similar. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, Carol- he's sort of for his time, basically. Yes, I think so. I think mm. so, mm. yeah. Carolyn Lieutenant. Yeah. She's someone who else who's influenced you. When did you meet her? Well, in 1990, I went on an overseas trip to the World Equestrian Games in Stockholm Mm -hmm. and it was with the whole group of other people and she was on it. So she was my idol before that, so I was quite excited to meet her there (laughs) and found her to be lovely. But she fascinated me for the fact that she won a Gary Owen and represented Australia and all New Zealand at different times in eventing, dressage and show jumping. I mean, how many people do that? Yes, That's the epitome of the all-round rider, so that she fascinated me. And the wonderful thing um, was 1990, I only think elementary at that stage and she, oh, I sat beside her and we watched the Grand Prix there at the World Games and then she actually sat with us and recited the whole test about what they were doing and what they shouldn't be doing because at, at me at that stage they all looked pretty good. <laughs> and after, after quite a few sessions with her, you could start to pick out, oh, yeah, that's so – that, that was that was a fascinating spot. That And I, then I couldn't wait to ride Grand Prix. I thought, oh, I've got to have a go at those things. They look yep. great. Yep. All right. Tell me about a horse that's influenced you. There's been a couple of really good jumping horses, but I, I guess it would have to be Abraham, you know, the $300 racehorse yeah. off the track to, to, to go against what he was up, you know, to do what he did. And he was just a, basically a, a little brown 15, just 15, three-hand horse that was athletic. Mm-hmm. So. Very highly strung, which always went against him, but very athletic. So he could physically do all the movements eventually. Mm-hmm. So I had no intention of even doing dressage. I had to do the, I think, the level one with the EFA at the time and mm-hmm. had to ride a dressage test, which I had done with the jumpers, but not seriously. So I rode him. At his, so I just got him going to ride him for that. And then I thought, in a week I worked that. Yeah, this horse is a bit special. He's, <laughs> he's so, so interesting. So I got keen. So on the first year... I took him south to Brisbane and he won the Novice Queensland Championship. So mm-hmm. I got him keener. So I just kept going and, and off he went. So it was wonderful because it gave everybody else this thing to say, well, it can be done. You know, yes. You can do it. Yes. It might not be easy, but it can be done. Yes. So. And, and I think that's important too. It's very easy for people to look up to Grand Prix riders and say, oh, yes, but they've not had to deal with what I've got to deal with. And everyone has to deal with different things. Everyone, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone has yeah. things that go wrong, but it's it's how you take it. And, you know, if we go back yeah. to your having an attitude of gratitude every day, you're looking yeah. at things in a positive way and going, yeah. well, okay, I do live 2,000 miles away from the nearest competition centre. I do have things that are wrong, but – you know, I can do this, 
Yeah. It was the same as when I was watching show jumping in 1980 on TV. It was the first mm-hmm. time it ever been televised. It was a Benson and Hedges, I think it was called, at Wentworth Park. Mm-hmm. And I was on the lounge and I had a really good jumping horse at the time, only a four or five-year-old, but he could jump like anything. And I said to my mum, I think I'll go to that next year. She said, yeah, right, I love that. And I did. I just, so I went. That's without good. any instruction, any, anything, and I went to this huge, huge event, you know. So I just did it. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Did, yep. Didn't know you can't. <laughs> All right. Now, all the moments that you've had, you know, competition moments, but also the moments more recently with the equine-assisted learning, what's your proudest moment? Well, so many. I think um, as a kid, you always dream you're going to ride at the Olympics. You're going to ride at the Olympics. That's mm, what you want mm. to do. And I always thought if you got halfway there, well, you're doing all right anyway. So when I sort of got the letter from the Samsung Cup to say, you've been invited to represent Australia as you know, Australian in the Samsung Cup in Sydney, I danced around the house like a maniac, <laughs> ran around, did all sorts of things, and there was nobody at home. So I, I was just so excited about that. Like I've made it, you know, not yep. to the Olympics, but yep. halfway. So so it was like, yes. And I think a follow-on from that is when I was in New Zealand at Horse of the Year and you rode their horses in a derby and, and the same thing when they said my name from Australia, I couldn't get the smile off. I said, this is it, this is what I've been working for all these years. So I didn't care how the horse went by that stage. I was just too busy smiling. (laughs) That's good. That's good. All right. I'm going to take you back to coaching, okay? And I want you to think about coaching. What's a mistake that you see people make that you'd like to talk about now? I want you to talk about, you know, a mistake, a a common mistake that's made with riding at any level. Yeah. I think they try and get there too quick. The, the basics aren't there. As soon as they've got a version of they want to do half pass and flying change and they haven't even got a can to strike off correct. Mm-hmm. So that pyramid is so correct, you know, that bottom part, you've just it's got to be so entrenched that once you've got that, well, then the rest of the stuff can come easier and quicker if you've got your basics well and truly grounded. So I think they're jumping too quick past that. And, you know, doing this for the horse is not even on the bit, you know, and they're trying to do a half pass. So I think that's where I see a lot of mistakes. Okay. Okay. So do the basics first and probably be guided by your instructor too, you know, because your instructor should be saying, you know, there's, there's things that you've got to have in place here before you go on and do this. Yeah. yeah, you can't do it you've got this. You, know, you can't mm, do that till mm. you've got this. When you've got that, then you can do that. Mm, mm, and mm. hurry slowly would be the words. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Mm. All right. Now, you've got, you said before that you had, you know, up to six staff and I know part-time, casual, everything. Tell me a bit about how you find your staff, how you direct your staff, about your leadership skills and team building skills that are required because becoming an instructor is one thing but running a riding school is something requires different skills. Yeah, very much so. I find as the running of it, I know every kid that comes, mm-hmm. uh, their parents or by name, and I've only got to look at and not look for very long to have a gist of where they're at. So I'm parents very interested and pleased that I'm aware of where their child is at all times and how they're going. Mm-hmm. And I, particularly with the instructors, any incident I need to know about so that I can defend them if necessary or mm-hmm. whatever. So there's very good communication, I think, going on between us. And I think trying to find them, I scout around quite a bit. If they've got some, very rarely they've had qualifications, but if they have some, I thought, oh, thank goodness. At least I know they've got the basics there. Yep, yep. And I can mould them into the, you know, our attitude, I suppose. So I sort of ask around, follow up on ones and say, oh, the such and such is teaching over in party clubs. I'll go and listen. Mm. So I'm very, very careful. And they've just got to have the right personality too, you know. Yes, yes. 
to fit in with the team. Yeah, because it's a team building. Mm. And for people that are coming and paying their money every week, they want to have a a nice experience. I mean, not telling them they're wonderful when they are, but just encouraging, just to be Mm. encouraging Mm. and they can't wait to get back next week to have another go. Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to be an Olympic champion. Not everyone wants to be. So the majority want to have a bit of, you know, social time, meet others, have fun and enjoy the horse. Mm. Mm. And then looking for horses, how many have you got in uh, at now? Twelve at the moment. Yeah, twelve okay. school horses. So how do you find the horses? Oh, it's getting harder and harder and harder. <laughs> it takes me up to a couple of years. I've found that it's impossible to find horses to go straight in with a beginner. You know, that having yep. their first drop. You know, they can trot around on a loose rein, say woo, they stop, and doesn't want to. Will go when they ask and won't go any faster. So I found that's impossible. They've, the ones that are there now have been in the school for many years and they've gradually just gone down the line to that spot as they've got older. Mm-hmm. The internet's a hard one unless you get on there first. And and then I found that I've had, I, I nearly have to see them myself or send somebody I know really well. Mm. A couple of times I've taken a risk and it hasn't worked because, you know, I haven't ridden them myself or seen them. Yep. So, yeah, internet seems to be the go these days, but word of mouth is the perfect one. But, mm-hmm. again, they're just around like they used to be, particularly up here because they're not bred up here. Mm. So they're even hard to find. Mm. Mm. All right. Now, have you got a book that you would like to recommend for our listeners? The two that I've really worked a lot on, with, particularly in the early days, and I think of the classics is Franz Moringa, Horses Are Made to Be Horses. Yep. Got a lot of stuff out of his and his attitude then. His attitude was to the horse was, how do you like to be ridden? Yes. And then off, off you go. I mean, it's just a different way. So heaps of stuff out of that and Sally Swift's Centred Riding, just getting people using mental images that because it's only 10% of what they hear. So if they can mm. get a mental image, that seems to have helped immensely too with certain things over the years. So those are the two books I class as being classics. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to? What does your future hold? Well, I'm really looking forward to doing more and more work with the equine assisted learning. I see myself veering away in my last working years, however long that may be, because I'm doing the two things I love, working with horses and helping people. So I'm excited about that because mm. I keep seeing things happen that I'll n- never see it before, maybe never see it again <laughs> that horses do, and I can't can't wait for the next one. What's going to happen? You know, <laughs> it's exciting. exciting. Yeah, I'm yeah. passionate about it. Yeah. All right. Now, thinking about the inspirational quote you had before about the attitude of gratitude, have you got a philosophy that you could um, just give people that just as a closing lesson for them, something they can take away from this interview? I would probably go with having a connection and a relationship with the horse first. Mm-hmm. You know. Probably it's called the I-thou relationship, not the I-it relationship. You know, it's a combination of working together and and having a nice time like he's your friend, not just getting on and just making him do what he can do because that's what you want to do. Mm, mm. That's that's where I've evolved. I was very much the other way and I see it differently now, just a relationship, a connection and awareness Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. your horse. Good. I think that's, that's a good one, with. a good uh, good one to take away with, with the um, confidence that people go away and, and look at their horse um, a bit yeah, differently. Look at him differently. Yep. yep. All right. How can people contact you? Oh, well, I'm on Ranchlands Equestrian Centre on the website or okay. email, all right. phone, yeah. And we can leave all those details on the Horse Chats website and it'll be on horsechats.com slash Jenny Haynes. All right, thanks very much, Jenny, and thanks for your time today. Yeah, that's wonderful, Gladys. Thank you. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.